Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. What's happening guys welcome back to another show this week we've got another top guest for you it's joe antonelli uh joe joe currently works at crystal palace he's lead coach of the 14s and 15s worked at fulham before that and also has worked to start his career off at barnet working with the foundation phase so yeah great to have joe on the show uh, i've always been interested in what goes on at crystal palace uh you know a top academy another top academy in london great track record of producing top top ballers at the highest level amazing catchment area and obviously now just gone into a category one status and you see at the first team level the great work Patrick Vieira is doing but they've got a world-class training facilities now so there's a big big sort of change going on at the club as well so great to hear from Joe see what goes on back of this goes on behind the scenes also you know what he did at Fulham Fulham another top academy in in London and then obviously his work at Barnet as well so he's worked across the foundation phase and the YDP um, but yeah, real interesting hour of chat with Joe. Really privileged that he uh, he's decided to come on the show and then share his journey. To say as well, don't forget to check out the Coaches Pass, the mypersonalfootballcoach.com Coaches Pass, now available on the app as well. So every week you get the weekly session on the app. The only place you're going to get weekly video sessions of academies and top coaches from around the world. You can also create collections on the website and then add them to your app. And also you get now get the PDF of the session as well uh, on the app as well uh, so check it out seven day free money back guarantee like i said um, the only place you're going to get videos from academies and myself from all around the world we're currently about to start a series with blackburn rovers obviously blackburn one of the partner clubs of my personal football coach so check it out uh, but yeah without further ado let's get into the show so joe antonelli welcome to the show thanks so thank you for having me uh, can you give us a brief sort of uh, description of your playing and coaching background up to this point mate yeah, of course. Um, the the playing part of it will be pretty brief. <laughs> I think the highlight of my my playing is uh, probably winning a local futsal league recently. But um, but that's as far as it goes. So no, I was never attached to a club. Um, always sort of played, obviously for local clubs and, and county level, um, but was never in a, a part of an academy. Um, always loved football from a, from a very young age, um, and got into coaching. Fairly young, yeah. I did my my level one uh, when I left school at sixteen uh, in that summer, um, with a view to kind of just getting any experience I could. Really, um, I was always keen to to dip my toes into coaching. Um, so yeah, I did my level one at sixteen. Uh, started coaching at, at seventeen in a, in a local company um, in terms of school coaching and, and after school clubs, Saturday mornings. Um, and then I uh, had an opportunity to uh, join Chelsea in the foundation department when I was, I think, uh, 19 years old. Um, so I was there for, I think, three years um, before I got an opportunity to, to go to Barnet FC and work in the academy there. Um, so I did that and I was there for, I think, uh, four years at Barnet before heading into my next role, which was at Fulham. Uh, and I was there. Uh, another four years um, before going to where I currently work, which is Crystal Palace in the academy there. So that's and, the journey. And how, long been at, how long have you been at Palace? I've been at Palace for five years now. Um, it was five years in February, just gone, yeah. 
Wow. So you did four years at Fulham, four years at Barnet as well? That's correct, yeah. Right. And so what did you do at Barnet? Uh, so Barnet, um, as I say, was my first sort of uh, experience at coaching within an academy. Um, and I was the under-9s assistant. Uh, was yeah. my first role, um, which I enjoyed. Um, it was good to, to get a little look into that environment. Um, I was working with a good friend of mine now. I'm still in contact with Adam Lewis. Um, and then I... Uh, I, was, I think I was one season there as the assistant and then I took over the, the lead coach for the under-9s the following season. Lisa, and just briefly, what, what was your role at Fulham? Just so we can just have a bit of context quickly. Yeah, to, to Fulham, um, I went initially to coach with the under-12s and then I spent three consecutive seasons coaching the under-11s. It's interesting. So good way. So you've had quite a career already. How old are you, Joe? Don't mind me asking. I'm just doing the maths, but I'm crap, so... <laughs> I'm 32 now. 32, cool. So just let's just because like I say you went to coaching quite young. Um, tell us about those. Tell us, well, let's talk about Chelsea then, because Chelsea we don't often talk about foundation. But that's a massive club. What was that like? You know, we, when I was at Chelsea, there was there was just there was just the beginnings of the link between the academy and the foundation. They just tried to make a real positive sort of. They, I think they identified. You know, you got all these troops on the ground and all this talent in there. Because obviously, I started work at the foundation at Tottenham. That's why I got my break in the academy. I was lucky they had created that link. Tell us a bit about your first experience working at Chelsea in that club and the foundation for that massive, you know, brand. Yeah, yeah, no, of course it was. Um, it, it like you say, it is a it is a massive brand, Chelsea Foundation. Um, it's a huge program. I was fortunate enough to to work out of Cobham, um, so in the Surrey area. So when I was in the office, I was. I was in Cobham, obviously, in the, in the same building as, as the academy guys. To, to coach, you know, in different schools, on different programmes. Um, there were some evening sessions, invitational ones. Um, you know, we coached anything from, from kind of nurseries all the way up until sort of, you know, under-17s groups that were visiting from other countries. And, you know, that along with some opportunities to, to go abroad as well and, and coach internationally. So yeah, huge program, um, a really good kind of first coaching role for myself because it allowed me to coach across various age groups with, with boys and girls of, of different abilities. So yeah, it's an experience I look back on and got fond memories of it, to be honest. Do you think that's some, do you think those, 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 those hours spent on the grass with the different age groups and you know, different abilities and all those sorts of things, do you think that helped you in your, you know, your later career? Yeah, as I say, I, I look back on it now and um, having to find, you know, find ways and, and be creative and find ways to, to relate to these different types of children was, was massive. Um, no week was the same. Every day to day was different. You know, you, you'd be going from, from an after school club, like I say, to, um, to a sort of development centre session or, you know, a breakfast club in the morning with with year ones um, with learning difficulties and jumping straight back into a different session. So kept you on your toes um, in terms of communication. It was massive having to communicate in different ways and 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 learn how to to show real empathy for for the kids. And I think that was a, a massive um, point in my career, which which you know I had to learn that, which was good. What about stuff like session design and stuff? I remember my time, you know, working in foundation. You'd go, you got to do like a after school or lunchtime you've got 30 kids and two footballs and things like this or you know that you know what's what are the sort of challenges in that and how you know how creative did you have to be in times of session design and you know and keeping the kids you know entertained 
Yeah, I think that's that's a key point because, like you say, I think you never knew what, what what you were going to have in terms of your numbers, or you know, you, you arrive and, and your co-coach has, has only got half of the equipment because he's had to give it to somebody else, and you kind of had to go to sessions with um, with an idea, but with an idea plus a sub idea or, or a second and third idea because just in case you know the numbers weren't right, or as I say, you don't have the correct equipment, so. Yeah, it forced me to be be creative as a coach, and you know I'm sure you've got lots of listeners who, who coached um, in foundations or, or within schools, and yeah, you have to you have to be on your toes, as I say, to have different things in the lockout for when you need them. Yeah, I suppose it's like sink or swim, isn't it? You sort of got to deal with it, or you know can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. You know, with those yeah, that's 20, it. Twenty twenty five five year olds screaming at you. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I've, I've probably had some 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 bad sessions put on and, and things that didn't look great at the time but you know I guess that's all part of being a young coach and and being thrown in at the deep end with with 35 year olds so so yeah when did when did you decide or when did you think yeah actually I want to work in academy football that's for me I want to try and step and take the next step into the elite sort of game yeah I think it was um probably when I was at Chelsea Foundation um as I say we were we were really lucky to work in the same building as as where the academy were based, um, but probably fair to say in, in my time there, there, w- there was no, um, there wasn't a strong link between the foundation and the academy. Um, I think there is now. Um, I think they've got you know designated staff, like you say. So I think they realised that you know they had hands on the ground and they were in a lot of schools. So I think those links have, have been created now. But but yeah, I was always keen to. Um, to sort of go on to an, another level and eventually obviously do my coaching courses. And I was eager to, to test myself and to, and to learn, um, you know, a different way of coaching and to work with, with more elite players. I was always keen to do that. Tell us then about that Barnet gig you got, the nines assistant. How did that come about? And tell us about the process and your first sort of, you know, the first things you noticed when you went into the, to the building on the pitch. Yeah, I was, um, I was invited to... To, to go down initially and just do just do some voluntary work initially. It was um, a friend of mine at the time, uh, James, who, who used to work in the academy at Chelsea, actually. He was the academy manager there. Um, so he moved from, from Chelsea to, to manage the academy at Barnet, um, who I knew, who'd, who'd coached me previously. Um, and he, he knew that I was keen to, to, you know, have a look at the environment, the academy environment. So he invited me down. Um, it was... It was voluntary initially and you know I was living in South London actually and, and traveling up to um to northwest London um you know two or three times a week to, to just to get that experience so it, it was challenging I'd be driving from South London or from from Surrey from my foundation work to to get there for, for six o'clock and then and then get home at 10 o'clock at night but yeah loved it um as I say it, it gave me a little insight as to to what it might look like and you know the structure of it and, and coaching within uh, a curriculum or or a syllabus, um, and obviously the level of player was was pretty good as well. Although it was only a Cat Three program, um, I was quite impressed with with the level of coaching um, and the level of player there. Tell us about then. You, you know you're you're there. You watch the first few sessions. What are the first you know your main things you you know reflect on, thinking wow you know those sessions were. Tell us what sort of sessions were they and what was you know special about them. What were unique. I think um, from from looking at um, what it looked like with the under nines, I was very impressed with, um, you know, we, we did a lot of technical work, um, ball each, 
and the sort of the, the number of touches and, and the um, the speed of, of which everything was being done by the boys was brilliant. And I was, I really enjoyed it. Um, the, the boys enjoyed it as well, you know, having the ball at their feet and <clears throat> going through, you know, high repetition, um, technical practices. And, and I could obviously see the benefit of that. And, and the boys were, were of a good technical level. Um, and I think it made me curious. I think I, I watched it and I thought, oh, wow, okay. Um, these boys are at a good level. You know, what have they been doing? What kind of training have they been doing to, to get to this level? And, and as I say, it made me curious to, to try and watch not just that group, but other groups as well and, and just learn more about the academy environment as a whole. You, you talked about the technical stuff, one ball each and stuff. Tell us what else, what, what, what else, you know, tell us what practically were they, were they delivering at Barnet at the time? Yeah, so they were, I've got to say, I think the programme was, um, it had a lot of links to, I, I believe, what Chelsea may have been doing at the time. Um, as I say, because our, our academy manager had just come from a few years working at Chelsea. So, yeah, we had a lot of technical practice. Um followed by some, you know, a lot of small-sided games, especially in the foundation phase and, and overload practices and a, and a big emphasis on um, on the technical side of it, but also on decision-making. You, know, um, you know, do I share, do I go on my own, sort of 1v1 into 2v2s and a lot of um, wave practices up to sort of 4v4, 5v5. So we did a lot of that within the foundation phase um, and nothing really went over 4v4, 5v5. Um, I think Saturday... The game format for those guys in, in the under nines is obviously six v six, um, so we 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 touch on a little bit of six v six stuff on a Saturday uh, before the game, but but primarily it was all smaller numbers, um, as I say, sort of ball mastery and and one v ones, two v twos, overload wave practices. So tell us in a bit. You progressed to head head a coach of the nines. Tell us about then. You know you're delivering these sessions. So tell us. I mean, I'm I always interested. In, you know, to think about you know session design. You know, you're drawing your sessions. You're, you're doing your planning. Where do you come up with the ideas for this? Do you know what I mean? Are you looking? Are you drawing on what you just the experiences you've seen in the academy, or are you looking externally? Mm. I think I think for myself, I was obviously you know at most clubs you have sort of a best practice library or, or practices that you can draw upon to use, but. You know, and I, I realised quite quickly that I really enjoyed um, composing and, and trying to make up my own practices. Um, and, and I still try to do that to this day. So, you know, when you put something down on paper. So when you know that sometimes it's brilliant on paper and it doesn't work out. Um, but I was always keen to, you know, especially with the younger guys, to weekly, you know, I was conscious of giving variety to them as well. I think, you know, there's a case for repeat practice and if a practice is brilliant and it's given what the players need, then great. But, you know, at that younger age, I was always trying to give them variety. So, yeah, I used to I used to enjoy, you know, in the small spare time I had, um, getting the notepad out and, and trying to think of new ideas based on things that I'd already done or things that I'd seen from, from other coaches. So, yeah, and I think, you know, as you deliver uh, week by week, month to month, season to season, you you realise what works and what doesn't. Um, but I think that's really key in terms of, you know, your own coach development is, is putting lots of stuff down on paper and, and trying to, uh, to try new things. Yeah. What was, what were the main challenges being a head, you know, the head coach of the nines, your first season or two, you know, what were the main problems? I mean, you know, I'll give you a clue here, but begins with P ends with errants maybe, but, <laughs> but no, no, it was one of the challenges, but tell us about some of those, 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 those things you had to deal with. Yeah, I think obviously the probably the, the key thing and the, and the bigger ch biggest change from going to from an assistant to, to a lead coach was 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 dealing with parents. Um, 
obviously there's, there was a small sort of admin side to everything, probably not as much as there is now with, with the introduction of the EPPP and, and things like that. But yeah, the, you know, having to liaise with the parents, having to communicate, having to, having to deal with emotion as well, because, you know, especially at the under nines age, it's, it's their first, um, it's their first year in, in academy football. So, you know, so the parents don't necessarily know exactly, you know, what the environment looks like and, and what kind of problems they might encounter. So I think, you know, having to work with them and, and, and educate them, but educate them in a way where, you know, as a football parent, not as a parent. And I think that's key. And that's something that, you know, I still try to do to this day is, is understand that they are, you know, their children and no one knows their children better than them, but being in an academy and, and trying to support their, their son or their daughter the, the best way possible is something that we might know about and, and have to edu- educate them. So, yeah, it was challenging at times, but I'm sure it is at every single club across the country. So it's about your next move. Then you go to get to go back down towards your own manor, again, down that neck of the woods, uh, down to Fulham. Unbelievable academy, by the way, Fulham, like, you know, in terms of the players they're producing, you know, top, top academy. Tell us about that. How did that come about and what your initial experiences? Yeah, the um, like I said, I think it was um, three and a half years at Barnet. Um, I, I ended up with, I was coaching the 14s and, and leading the YDP in my, in my last role there, which was, you know, I think I was 21, 22 at the time. So that was that was a really good role, um, really insightful. Um, good, good for me being so young and, and having that sort of responsibility. But I think it, um, it, it got to a stage where I was sort of unsure as, as to or happy about the, what I was learning and was I watching enough coaches and you know, was it time to try and go to a new environment? So, yeah, I was I was approached for a role um, by Fulham. Uh, I had a friend, good friend of mine, Ashley Thomas, who, who was working there at the time. And, uh, he, you know, I, I was speaking with Jeff Noonan and, and Kevin Betsy, who were there at the time. Um, yeah, so I went in there for, for an interview um, for a position to uh, assist with the under-12s um, there. So... Great club. Uh, I was I was really impressed with by, with everything that they did the moment that I went in there um, for an interview, um, and the interview went well. Uh, and yes, so I, I decided to to take the role um, after some consideration. Obviously, I was full time at Barnet, you know, and I, I decided to to take a part time role at Fulham um, for a couple of different reasons. I think the main one was an opportunity to learn, and I think that was key. Um, you know, yes, it was it was a pay cut, and, and I knew I'd have to seek additional work to, to go alongside it to to make a living. Um, but I was still relatively young, and I was living at home, and, and it was the perfect opportunity for me to do that. Um, and I took the role at Fulham um, first without without finding that other work, um, sort of hoping that I could pick up other bits of coaching. And I just saw it as a big learning opportunity, not just um, obviously with Fulham and to be part of an excellent Cat, Cat One Academy, but as I say, to knowing that I'd also have to find other coaching jobs and, and obviously that they'd be different to what I'd done before and I could pack a lot of different experiences into into my week, which I ended up doing and, and yeah, obviously made me a better coach in, in the long run because of it. So, so just quick, just briefly, you, you started as an under-12s coach and what other roles did you do there before you left? Just quickly, just... Yeah, yeah, I was under twelves, and then I'd, I finished. Uh, I was with under elevens uh, as the lead coach for three years before I departed. Right, cool, mm-hmm. interesting. So let's talk about that. Then, what, what were the initial, you know, because Fulham, big club, you know, um, 
amazing academy, like I said, a great track record. What are the initial things you you saw? What are the differences between that and Barnet, basically, was you went in there? Yeah, I think um, the first thing was was probably the, the volume of staff um, and, and sort of staff across different departments. You know, the multidisciplinary um, team at Fulham was 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 huge in comparison to perhaps there wasn't one at Barnet. Um, I think obviously at Barnet where there were really low staff levels and I actually, during my time there, was the only coach at an age group for a few months at a time as well. Um, so it was challenging, but at the same time, it it forced me to, you know, to think outside the box when I, when I didn't have that support staff. So, if, you know, if I wanted to do some analysis or some clips, you know, I had to source the footage, film it and, and, and clip things myself and and then deliver that to the players and, even in terms of recruitment back at Barnet, um, you know, there were very few scouts and, you know, the, the academy manager, if there was a Sunday gap in the games programme for us, we, we'd be out in Regent's Park and, and scout. So, yeah, it was, um, we used to do a lot there. And obviously when I went to Fulham, it was, oh, okay, you know, there's a mass amount of scouts here. You know, the recruitment department takes, takes care of itself. You know, we've, we've got your conditioning and performance movement coaches. You know, we've got um, our sports psych team. We've got assistant coaches. You've got cover coaches that are, you know, covering across two groups. And there's just a, a whole different level of staff there, which which was really good to have with you because, you know, you could tap into all sorts of different staff for, you know, for advice and support on, on what you're delivering to the boys. So uh, that would be the yeah. first thing. You, you mentioned it as well, because about learning, because obviously you mentioned Jeff Newton, who obviously now works at the FA. Jeff, unbelievable, like a unbelievable, someone I, I, you know, I'm lucky to call a friend. I've talked to him a lot. He's like a top, top player developer of experience. And Kevin Betsy, obviously, I've worked at Arsenal, another top. That's one of the big things, isn't it? When you're lucky enough to work at one of these big clubs, it's just this, the, the, you know, the volume of top player educators and the, the environment to go in there. You can't help but learn because you're just seeing you know world-class practitioners every day i mean how how important was that how how impactful was that on you and you know what's what sort of what are the initial sort of things that you'd take away from that in that environment yeah no that's that's the that's the exactly it so i think um even when you're you know you're not working directly with somebody you know of that of that ilk you can you know you'd be walking through ready for your session on, on an evening or a weekend and you just glance an eye over and watch a fantastic coach just deliver a 15 minute practice and you'd pick something up and then you, you know you'd jot it down when you got five minutes so yeah I, I agree with you there it was brilliant to, to sit and, and those they're great people as well at Fulham um, you know you could always knock on somebody's door or make a phone call and say you know can I come down and watch can I come down and, and deliver 10 minutes and the answer was always yes and that and that was you know invaluable for, for a coach to be able to do that and, and coach with different people so yeah, I think something that, you know, probably the first thing that I learned there from working with, with some really good coaches was um, the importance of individualising the programme. I think at Barnet, um, our delivery was very good and we had a great syllabus. It was really detailed, but there was a big focus I found, especially in the YDP during my time there, was was a focus on the team um, and the tactical element of, you know, we're 4 3, three and this is how we're going to play. And when I went to Fulham, it was, you know, it's player first and the individual, you know, is at the forefront of everything we do. So, you know, how we develop our sessions and design our practices is is focused around developing the individual. So that, that was probably one of the key things I, I saw. 
during my time. Give us, so give us an example of that. So every academy says, you know, we're about the individual. And obviously, you know, as you know, a lot of them just go and try and win the game or whatever. But so tell us how, how, how does that look in terms of your practice design? And how does you, how do you, how do you, as an individual program, you know, transfer onto the pitch with their players? So it gives an idea of the sort of stuff you're working on and how, what's, your, what's in your thought process thinking right about, you know, how do you, because it's difficult, isn't it? As you know, you know, you're coaching a team, you know, just had really focusing on those individuals. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, obviously the guys, you know, and this is probably the same for all clubs, obviously have their their IDP, their individual development plan. And, you know, and we, and we did have that at Barnet, um, but I, th- I sometimes felt at Barnet it was there and it was ticking the box for E-Triple-P. Um, but were we put, actually putting it into practice, um, you know, in the sessions and games? But I think Fulham was, the way that, that we did it there was was really good, I think. As I say, there was always individual targets given to players during sessions, um, first and foremost. So, you know, it could be a practice around uh, create and finish. Um, and within that, um, one of the one of the wide players may have a target of, you know, deliveries off, off your second touch. And that, and that was a target for him based around his IDP. So, you know, it could have been in a small number format and he was getting a lot of repetition, but he knew that that was the technique he was working on within that practice. And I think something else that um, was very good was the structure of the week was set up. So, you know, on a Wednesday, the first hour of the session was strictly based on IDP. And that was not just a technical theme. You know, everyone had their IDP. Everyone would arrive at, say, five o'clock. The first hour, um, whatever that player needed, he went and did a session with with the relevant staff. So, for example, you know, a boy may have needed some extra technical repetition. He'd go out on the pitch. There'd be some technical circuit stuff set up and he'd do that. If a boy needed extra gym work, he, he would go into the gym because he needed some movement. Or, you know, if a boy needed some some help around, uh, you know, resilience or confidence. He'd do a little bit in the classroom first so he could take that out onto the pitch. And it was it was really about giving the players exactly what they needed during that extra little hour rather than just, you know, a generic uh, IDP session where everyone's working on technical, you know, when you, you could have had a, a real masterclass technician in the group that needed something else. So that was something that, that they did really well. Tell us about then to become Eleven's head coach. Tell us a bit about then the general. What is the pro, what is was the program there? Did you have like a technical cycle, tactical cycle? How did you you know arrange your work, uh, your week in terms of like your planning, your sessions, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it was um, it was a nice blend of of sort of tactical and, and technical. But I think when I was working with the Elevens and Twelves, there was still a massive emphasis on on technical development and and decision making. I think those those were the two key two key parts to it. Um, as you say, so there were some really, really talented boys at, at the academy. Um, and, and that was another thing I think I always had to think about was, okay, I've designed my practice, but I've got some exceptional boys here. So what have I got in my pocket that I can draw upon as a progression or as something different to challenge the boys? Because the likelihood is, you know, you'd, you'd set the practice up and, and they'd nail it pretty quickly. And I know you've worked at some good clubs and you've seen that as well. So I think having having things, you know, in the locker to pull out and draw on um, and progressions was key. And I, and I always try to, you know, have those ready with me when I was planning the sessions. I think a typical session would, would probably look like um, a lot of sort of ball mastery or technical work initially. Um, probably nothing, nothing majorly new in terms of the way the session would look. Um, so as I say, sort of 
a, a real technical focus early on, but always opposed. I think something that the, the club were big on were, were at the time I was there anyway, were, were to try and have technical practices in an opposed scenario. Um, you know, and I, I think it's something that all people are looking at now and, and thinking, you know, is should it be just unopposed or does it have to be opposed? And I actually think at the time we sometimes went a little bit too far the other way in terms of, you know, it has to be opposed and there's, there's no place for technical unopposed repetition. But So give us an example of that then, that's not like Ballmaster you're doing opposed. Yeah, I think it was, you know, if it was Ballmaster, it would always be um, a skill move, but immediately into a 1v1. Um, I think it was... You know, there was a few times where I'd, I'd do a passing and receiving practice, working on different types of receiving or different types of passes, and it it it, it was really short. It was a really short period of time. I actually, remember I'd done it a couple of times, and someone would say, "Hey, you know, you've got to make it a pose now." Um, that you know that happened, um, and I don't mind sharing that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's you know it's black or white. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. You know, and as I as I've had different experiences at other clubs, I think it's a continuum and you, you need to, you need to have both within your, you know, your weekly setup. I think boys, yeah, it's just about, it's about, it's about balance, isn't it? And it's course. about, and the issue obviously when you're doing a pose is the volume, is it? Are you going to get the volume contact yeah. time and the, the directed target volume? But, you know, like I said, if, you know, it's always room for everything, isn't there? Yeah. I think, yeah, like you say, it's a, it's a balance. And I think especially at sort of nines to twelves, you have to think of, you want the boys to experiment still. You want the boys to try something new that they might have not done before. But if it's, I always thought if it's a constant opposed environment, they're probably more focused on doing the one trick or the one skill move that they know in order to, to beat them hand and get success. When really you still need that experimental stage of, okay, I've got a ball at my feet. Let me, and I've got, I'm going to do sort of 10 moves. Let me try four I already know and six that I don't. And, and I think that's where, you know, you talk about skill development and that's where mm. that creativeness comes from. So, yeah. That's a test. So you do your ball master warm up, then what would be next? Yeah, it'd often be um, kind of a, a directional cut or possession-based um, practice. Um, it could be linked to theme as well. So, you know, a, a, a possession practice with with conditions or, you know, an overloaded or underloaded practice, um, looking at sort of problem solving, but always with goals as well. You know, something that we always focused on was making sure we had goals, you know, involved in the practice in, in some respect, whether they were on the ends of the pitch or, or in the middle or on the sides, but an opportunity for, for boys to, to score goals. That was something that we were always, um, I remember focusing on at Fulham was, you know, are there goals? Because, you know, football's about scoring goals and we need to make sure that the boys are getting enough repetition on, on getting their shots off. So that was something that we always tried to incorporate as well. And so, um, how did you come up with that? Was it like, a, did you have like a tactical cycle or something like that? Was I mean, what was it? How did you know what you're going to coach? Were you reacting for the game? Or was it like, you know, did you do, you know, in possession, out possession, plan out from the back, that sort of thing? What was the... Yeah, we, we followed a theme. Um, we had a we had a tactical um, theme. You know, we followed something. Um, the five moments of the game, which don't ask me to name because it's been a few years now. But <laughs> it, it, they were in and out of possession um, topics uh, and transitions and, and restarts as well. But re, restarts were something we, we didn't really focus on until sort of later on in the YDP. But but yeah, you know, you, you, your moments of the game and, and you're playing out from the back, controlling and creating and finishing. Um, as well as sort of looking looking to press or looking to screen and cover. Um, so, yeah, there, there was always a, a tactical theme that, we, that we'd go with. Um, 
But as I say, in the 11s and 12s, it was, you know, it was less of stop standstill and, and more of kind of small-sided games problem solving and how can we deliver um, those themes based around those um, that structure of, of practice. Yeah, interesting. So let's just talk about then your, your move to your current club. How did that come about? Tell us about that process. Sorry, so I lost you there. So just tell us about then your current club, the move to, to Palace. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, so I think um, I, I knew um, Gary, the academy director at Crystal Palace um, previously. Um, I was I was approached by them quite a few years earlier, actually, when I was at Barnet. Um, nothing materialised. So, you know, I, I knew a few people within the club and, and I, was, I was contacted by them during my time at Fulham uh, as they had a role available which at the time was the 13s coach. Um, it was a dual role to coach the 13s, but also to manage the, the games and tour programme at the academy. Um, yeah, so it was a different kind of role um, and one that I was a little bit unsure of um, at the time. But, you know, in, in my mind, again, was I was, I was part-time at Fulham, um, as I say, and I was, I was coaching within the academy and I, I had sort of, another three or four coaching jobs on the side uh, of that at the time, um, which was busy, um, you know, seven days a week. And I was keen to to try and get back into a full-time position if possible. And, you know, they're not always easy to come by. But also keen, as I said previously, to, to go into another environment and learn again. Um, and, I, and I did feel that my my best work was, was done in the YDP. Um, so it was something that I was talking with Fulham around um, and sort of waiting for, for the right role to come up there um, to work back in the YDP phase. Um, and, and I was approached by Crystal Palace um, uh, and, I, and I had good chats with Fulham. As I say, the people there are fantastic and I was very open with, with what I'd been approached with um, by Crystal Palace and uh, and I decided to go. Um, I decided to, to take the role after, after sort of three or four years at Fulham. Um, yeah, but it was good because, I, you know, from going from a primarily Category 3 programme at Barnet to, to a Category 1 and then an opportunity to go maybe sort of in the middle um, to, to a Category 2 programme, um, but a good club, a, a good academy, but a developing academy and, and geographically it was probably a little bit better for me as well I was still living in South London and you know I've been putting some serious miles on the car so I needed to <laughs> I needed to think about that as well so yeah I decided to go. So tell us about then you know your initial experiences when you get into the club another top academy unbelievable track record producing players unbelievable like catchment area so I always think about Palace just that you know that raw talent everywhere coming in through the door like you know talk, tell us a bit about your initial experiences there. Yeah, it was um, it was a really good experience. Um, it was again, like I say, a different environment. I think one thing that was what I noticed was challenging at the time. There, um, it, it didn't when I when I went five years ago. It didn't look like it did now. Um, the facilities were were a struggle. We were, we were based around um, three training sites, and you know, for anyone who's been to to the old Crystal Palace sites over the years, it's um, yeah, a challenge because we, you know, we used to be based in an office in, in Beckenham, um, but then have to travel an evening off-site to, you know, Crystal Palace National Sports Centre or, you know, the, the academy used Bromley FC as well. So there was there was multiple sites, which was challenging um, 
for, for us as staff, but also for the players too, you know, traveling from site to site. So, you know, we'd often be training on, you know, half a sort of three quarter pitch with another age group as well. So, yeah, you know, it presented certain challenges, but challenges that I could reflect and look back on my time at Barnet and, and understand them that, you know, it's, you don't, it's not always bells and whistles and it's not always, you know, you don't always have everything you need right there and then. So, yeah, that, that, the facilities was probably the, the first challenge. But in terms of player ability, I, I was really, really impressed, actually. Um, all age groups when I got there and, I, you know, I'd spend, try and commit as much time as I could out watching other groups. And uh, I was actually blown away by some of the, the quality um, that, that I'd see uh, there. I, I actually didn't expect it. So, you know, very, very good players. And like you say, some real good raw ability, fantastic catchment area, um, South London, especially where we were. So, yeah, level of player was, was very, very good. That's about the what, the, what was the curriculum like in terms of when you get in there? What's, what was the, the, the uh, philosophy of the academy, the methodology compared to, you know, your other clubs? Yeah, um, I ended up working with the under-11s, actually, in my first season. Um, the, the curriculum was good. Um, it was a real nice blend of... Um, technical and tactical but we also something that was also really good was we had a a really good futsal program that we had as well which was um something that I was impressed with straight away and something that I actually helped to develop um during my first couple of months there we used to on a Wednesday we used to do an hour sort of pitch based outside and then we used to go inside and, and play futsal in in the hall um sort of you know tournament kind of vibes it was really good it was really quick it was really competitive and I, and, I, and I think it was you know the guys now you know they're so busy with academy football and school and and I think they the boys have lost the opportunity to just go out and play on the street and play you know big numbers small numbers uh, cage football um, and it's something that you know in South London as you know is massive but our boys being in an academy they don't necessarily get the time and I think it was something that the boys loved. Um, it was very much, okay, here's the teams, here's the tournament structure. Futsal rules primarily as well, which was good. And it taught them, uh, you know, a different sport. So but the technical returns and, and the psych returns actually were massive. Um, and the boys probably now in our, you know, in our youth team went through that process for, for two or three years as well. And it, it was a really good uh, programme, I've got to say. Let's tell us about those tech, tech and psychological, you know, outcomes you were getting in that, in that environment, that footstool environment. Mm. I mean, look, obviously ball contact was massive. Um, it was very, very quick. A uh, lot of opportunities to play 1v1 in tight spaces and, and develop your skills. But in, in terms of the psych, um, yeah, the, the, the coaches, we were really sort of clever with... Um, how we set the teams up and, and little challenges and, and just little chats that we've had with the player. It was really because we used to do like a, I think it was a monthly league table. Um, so we used to then do the scores, you know, the points every night and then we'd feed back to, to the groups via the parents. And so they'd come to sort of week four of the tournament absolutely buzzing, knowing that they've got to get three wins to get to the top of the league. And, and yeah, the coaches were very tactical about, you know, what we did on the touchline. It would very much be, okay, um, you know, one boy's, you know, he needs to develop his his resilience or the ability to deal with a little setback. So it'd be right. He'd go and goal. 
um, the coaches would grab him and say, listen, I want you to take a few risks with the ball at your feet, travel out, look to get shots off. And then we counteract that. And then we talk to another lad and say, listen, he's coming off his line. Get get the ball and chip him. <laughs> try, try and finish him because he, he's taking the mick. He's trying to come out. And there was a lot of that sort of counteracting um, coaching of, of individuals. And yeah, it, it was it was really good to watch. Um, you know, we, we, we film it sometimes as well and we share it with the other staff and, and uh, yeah, it was good to watch and we look back on it now and we, we feel it is a really key part of our programme, you know, both tactically, technically and like I say, across the sort of site corner as well, it was really good. It's interesting. So let's tell us now about, like, you're now your lead coach for 14s and 15s. Uh, tell us about that. Firstly, why, why is that? Why is it done that way as of 14s and 15s? And then, um, and then tell us, obviously, now the academy's gone through some huge changes, obviously, recently, the whole club. Tell us a little bit about the environment now. Yeah, I think, um, I think that in terms of my role now with the, with the under-14s, um, the club has this season um, just implemented it, actually, in terms of the two-year to your age band so I think it's it's happening in the foundation phase as well um, to, to stay with the group just for not just for one but for two seasons and go up with them so I'll stay with the same same group for next season too I think it's it, we discussed it as a whole group um, and everyone sort of gave their opinion on it um, I think we'll We'll wait and see, but I, I always think that sometimes you know it takes a few months to build the relationships with the players. You know, forget the football; you have to get to know the players first, and they're all different. And you know, at our club, it's quite a big group as well. Um, and I know that's a common theme across you know most of the cat ones at the moment, sort of big numbers. So I always thought that you know our best work as, as coaches was delivered um, in the second half of the season, and then before you know it, it's, it's April, May, and, and the season's coming to an end. So I think it will be good because you know we'll go into next season um, with a really solid relationship with the players, um, knowing how they learn best, uh, you know, knowing what they need on a weekly basis, and I think we can hit the ground running in, in season two. So hopefully that that process is is going to be a good one. Um, yeah, there, there's been a lot of changes. The facility. Tell us, about, tell, tell, tell us about then. Just, I mean, I'll interrupt, so let me because I'm, I'm nosy and I wouldn't know all the all the details. What's what's your typical week then for the 14s? Then now, for example, now because cap, you've gone to cap one, as you say, a big investment, amazing facility now, world class facility. Tell us about a typical week for the 14s. Yeah, so the 14s, um, it's a busy one. Um, it's, they're they're really busy. I think that it's four or five days a week. So a normal week for for the 14s would be. Tuesday, the boys are, not all of them, but the majority of them are part of our hybrid programme. So the boys will have a half day at school and join the academy for two o'clock on a Tuesday and Thursday. So a typical Tuesday at the moment for, for our under-14s would be arrival at two o'clock. They'll have, from 2.30 until 3.30, they'll have um, an IDP session, which will be very much you know linked around there development targets um, in, in small groups of sort of four or five players. At 3.30, they'll, they'll finish that session and then they'll, they'll go in for some food and then they'll, they'll go straight into the classroom um, from four until five and they'll be in there with their tutors to, to do their schoolwork on, on whatever subjects they're, they're doing, um, which is really good because the numbers and the ratios are, are, are good. You know, they sort of one to eight ratio in the, in those classrooms to, to do that hour of school work. So yeah, no, it's really good. And they'll have a small break and then they'll train again in the evening from 
five until 6.30 out on the pitch. And then they'll go into the gym and they'll, they'll do some stuff in the gym for 40 minutes. And then we have a, a small analysis slot as well from 7.30 till eight o'clock and the boys will stay till eight. So really long day, um, a Tuesday and a Thursday. I think the analysis session is a good one, but it's also one where we have to be clever with the way that we're delivering because it's 7.30 and I've, I've always found that if we're in there for half an hour making the boys watch video, how much are we really mm. getting out of it? So we've had to be really clever with the way that we deliver that and we've tried to mix it up as best we can. So so that would be a Tuesday. Uh, a Wednesday uh, would just, Wednesday evening session um, would only be for players who are part of that hybrid programme, you know, because some, some boys may not be able to get out of their school to, to join that. So, a Wednesday evening session will be made up of um, any trialists we've currently, you know, have in also boys that aren't in the hybrid. And that session would look like very much how the IDP session would look like for the boys on the hybrid on the Tuesday. Uh, and then they'd, they'd have some gym and mobility work after that. Uh, Thursday is the same as a Tuesday um, in terms of the, the all day from two o'clock. And then we still train on a Saturday morning for 90 minutes and, and a game on a Sunday. Wow. And then tell us a bit about then your like your week as a as a coach. What, what's that like? And obviously now, you know, working in that that environment full time. What, what are the challenges? What sort of the planning process is? How 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 do you have to deal with the multidisciplinary sort of aspect of the club now? Yeah, I think um, as you say, there's you know our our staff numbers are, are much bigger now, and we've got a brilliant sort of multidisciplinary team and and things that are available to the players. Um, I think at our club we we meet once a week. Um, we meet on a, on a Tuesday to we have a, we go through the the list of each squad from sort of thirteens up to sixteens, and we designate um, four players a week um, to discuss every Tuesday on an MDT meeting. So you know staff around the table would, would obviously be the, the coaching staff, you know lead phase, um, medical, um, sports psych, player care. Um, and education so you know for example four boys from from my squad we'd, we'd sit down and, and we'd discuss you know any issues around you know it could be football could be education around those players so you know everyone's every player is discussed within that meeting sort of once every every six weeks yeah and, and tell us about the you know the the curriculum or the you know the, the coaching methodology now in terms of what how do you do you have a ta technical tactical cycle how do you decide what you're delivering each day or night yeah, we have um, we have our, our game model which we work from, which is our, our syllabus. So it's uh, we we work across kind of two week cycles in terms of our our tactical element that, that we're going to focus on. We, we we work off our six moments of the game, which which is pretty much you know very very similar to what you might see from kind of the FA model. It's you know pitching to thirds. We look at in possession. Um, building or playing out from the back, middle third, uh, looking at our control and create. And then the top third, our, our create and finish. And then out of possession, uh, we've got our three moments of the game, which are, you know, defending in a high press, which is primarily how we, we, we'd like our teams to defend, but also then defending in the middle third and, and defending the penalty box. So that that's our kind of six moments of the game that that we base off. And we'd only, we'd only look at... Um, each third for two weeks. So if I, if I take an example at the moment, we're looking at the middle third. So we our two-week block of work. We'll have a focus on control and creating possession, but also defending in the middle third. So 
each coach in each age group has, you know, uh, can, can deliver that how they see how they see best. And I know that some coaches in week one will only focus in possession. And then in week two, they'll go. So week one, control and create. Week two, defending in the middle third. How we've delivered it in the full teams this year is, is to deliver both over two weeks. So it'd be myself might be looking at the control and create element, but you know, my co-coach would be looking at the out possession stuff. So there'll be a practice that would be being delivered. My sole focus will be in possession, his will be out, and we'd continue that for the whole week um, into the game day as well. And we'd deli- we'd coach on a game day in and out of possession as well. Um, it's worked okay. Um it's not to say that if I'm looking at in possession, you know, I can't help individuals without possession. We, we still can, but I think the boys kind of know um, which coach is looking at, at what moment as well. And, and it's, it's worked quite well at the moment. And, you know, like I say, two weeks for, for each part and then we go to, to another part. So we'd look at, you know, after two weeks focusing on, on this, these topics now, we'd then go into the, the final third, for example, and look at create and finish or defending the penalty box. How do you manage that with your co-coach then? I assume is he part-time? The co-coach is your, your assistant? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone, everyone to call it. So how, how do you, what are the challenges in that in terms of managing them in terms of what they're doing? And because obviously it can be quite, it can be quite difficult. You're in all day in the mornings. Maybe they come from after work. You say you could be driving from God knows where. How do you manage that relationship? And what are the challenges and sort of things around that? Yeah, obviously it can be challenging. Yeah, he's, he's, he's part-time, um, but he's, 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 He's fantastic, my assistant Mark. He, he he dedicates a lot of time to the role, even even though he is part time. Um, I think it's obviously all about just identifying a, a good window in the week, and, and you know we, we're used to it now. We've been together for sort of eighteen months, so um, I know the right time and to message him about the weekly structure. And you know, it's 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 about me dropping him a message at the right time and say, look, this is what the week will look like. This these are the parts that I'll deliver. You know. I'll go in position, you go out. And we, we settle into a nice kind of routine. So, and I think we, we I mean, we still use the PMA um, for uh, for anyone that knows it. It, it. it can be a pain, but it's also, we, we, we see it as quite a good sharing tool because obviously when we design our practices, we, we'll put it on there immediately. So so Mark will we'll design his practice for Thursday night uh, and he'll upload it onto there and we don't necessarily have to talk about it. You know, once he's done it, I can go onto the PMA and look at it. And then we can have a discussion once we see each other in the building. So um, that's kind of the way we work. Um, it, it works really well for us. Um, but yeah, we, we do find the PMA useful. Probably one of the only few people in the country that actually find it useful still. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not many people have a kind word to say about the PMA. Normally it's, uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> dog ass, you know, daggers. Yeah. Um, um, so, and, and tell us about, like, give us an idea of a typical session might look like then in terms of, like, you know, this is, you know, what sort of things you're putting on and, you know, I guess it's the same sort of stuff you're doing at Fulham. There's nothing, you know, or, you know, to people, you know, coaches, you know, they want to know what sort of drills or sessions you're putting on. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for us, a sort of typical, um, like I say, obviously the boys are in all day on Tuesday and Thursday, but the, the, the session that the, the guys will do on their hybrid is very low intensity. We obviously, we're conscious of the, the workload and, and what we're asking them to do. So I think the IVP sessions, as I say, are, are quite relaxed. Um, we, we try to use a lot of video in that as well. Um, so, for example, we, we might have somebody working on, you know, wide play in terms of uh, skill movement and crossing. And we'll, we'll have the iPad out on the pitch and we'll be, you know, we're looking at... Um, 
someone from the weekend. So, you know, example, we've got some uh, a lad at the moment who's looking to just improve his aerial control from wide areas. So um, we'll be watching clips of Mares, who's like ridiculous, his first touch at the moment. And so we'd, we'd get the iPad out and we'd watch him and, and then he'd go and he'd do a few balls and it's quite relaxed. We'd talk about his technique and, and you know, what's working for him and what's not. Um, so that's what, you know, the hybrid session would look like in terms of the evening. Um, pretty much the same week by week. Um, we, we, we do what's called uh, brilliant basics. So the first 15 minutes after um, their kind of pitch based movement warm up is always brilliant basics, which is a technical focus. Each, it will change weekly. So this week it's, it's dribbling to beat an opponent. Um, it could be, you know, passing variations. It could be receiving under pressure. It's a, it's a technical theme and, and we call it brilliant basics. So, um, that's what we'll deliver for the first 15 minutes. It, it, it might be opposed, like, like we spoke about earlier, it, it could be opposed, it could be unopposed. And, and you know, I'll tend to lead it one day and, and Mark tends to lead it the other day. And I think if we're opposed the first one, we'll, we'll go unopposed the second one and, and we'll try to keep it fresh in that respect. Um, and then, and yeah, and then we'd kind of drift into um, a, a game model focus, really. Um, that wouldn't necessarily be in an 11v11 format. I think, you know, we, we don't want to go Tuesday tactical, you know, game prep session straight away. I think the way that we've done it in the 14s would, on a Tuesday, it'd be a, an introduction to to objectives. So, okay, boys, this is what we're working on. This is what we want to get out of the week as a whole. This first session today will be two smaller groups, two groups of eight, uh, eight with one coach, eight with the other, and with introduction to an objective based around a 6v4 or 4v4 or, or something in small numbers. Um, and then we would, uh, we'd swap. So, you know, both sets of players would, would get a little bit in and out of possession. Um, and then on a Tuesday, we'd go into um, something more small-sided, whether it be a kind of three-team game. Um, we've got a really good um, three-team game that we play and the boys absolutely buzz off it. So we, we do that or we do kind of um, four-team format, 4v4s on a Tuesday um, and then on a Thursday something very similar but we, we drift into more after our brilliant basics we go into more of a slightly larger number focus um, on, on the objective so it'd be you know kind of more 8v8 9v9 stuff um, bigger distances more more game realistic distances um, yeah uh, sort of possession based stuff or as I say just, just game based stuff with conditions something that looks more like more like the game if you like in inverted commas um and then our saturday session is is it's quite a traditional session really um i think we we have we sort of do some some team rondo stuff on a saturday um and then we sort of drift into into some more game prep but the, the way that we do it in the 14s is we all, we probably give individual targets within a game so based around two things the boys idps but also you know the game model objectives for the week and we, we distribute a target that they can focus on on a Saturday and then take into the game on Sunday as well, which we, we found quite beneficial. And tell us about the game on Sunday and how do you approach it in terms of what formations you play, how do you balance the winning plus development, obviously a little bit closer there to the performance phase. What's, what's your, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think for us, it's, it's, um, it's about performance always. Um, I think there's a 
there's a there's naturally a bit of a, a winning mentality at the club, if I'm honest, which is really good to see. I think our boys are really competitive. I think even small things in the program, like you know the futsal program we discussed earlier, is through the foundation phases really allowed them the boys really want to win and and but it's brilliant because it, it, it does come from them it doesn't come from us as staff um the boys hate losing uh, which, which i really enjoy to watch because it, it it makes them play and train with real intensity which is good to see um i think the, the games for us uh, it's good obviously our games program is really good we, we play you know as you know so the, the, the london clubs it's every week's a good game um, you know, we're playing Arsenal, or we're playing Tottenham, Chelsea, Fulham, Brighton. You know, there's some fantastic academies out there at the moment. And every Sunday's a, a really good fixture. So um, I think some, something that we spoke about at our club is are the boys getting enough games? Um, is the volume of games enough? I think we've I think we've played around 50 games this season, which is OK. But we, we, now we've got a better facility as well. We're looking to increase the, the number of games that the boys are playing Um to try and get a, an extra one in midweek if we can as well. Um, how did how did you do that with like your hybrids and also then the Wednesday program because the boys are split? Be, how would you how would you manage that? Yeah, it's challenging. I think for us we, we've got quite large squads um, at the moment as well. So I think that second game is crucial because you know we want to get everybody playing you know minimum sixty a week. So which which can be a challenge as as you probably know. But I think it's just trying to be creative with it as well. And how many you know, players have you got in the group? Uh, we we had uh, we had twenty players this season. Um, so yeah, fairly large. Um, so I think yeah, it's just getting that extra game time is quite important. So I think we've we've done a few sort of mixed games as well. You know, we might do a mixed thirteens, fourteens game. You might do mixed fourteens, fifteens game. I mean, third, like tomorrow night, for example, we, we're doing a. An in-house game, 2007s versus 2008s, and we're, we're trying to be be creative with with the different types of games that they're getting internally as well. So, um, yeah, no, we're, we're always trying to think about different ways to get more games. What about Palace Brighton? Big old local derby. What's they called that? The M22 derby or something? Yeah, the yeah, uh, Gatwick derby or something like that. Yeah, yeah. What's um, any any ban- any banter with that? I mean, any uh, you know, is there any any bit of banter with the other coaches? I mean, did the parents get into it? I mean, what's it like? I mean, you know, you know, we all talk about local derbies there. Was it just another game? Oh, yeah, I, I've got to be honest. I think it's just another game. Um, <laughs> it's uh, obviously the first like I, I went to the first team game like this season Palace Brighton I, I, it was like incredible like they really don't like each other and I, I'm just you know they're miles away but it is a big rivalry but when we when we play Brighton it's um it's another game I, uh, you know like, it, don't get me wrong it is it's um it is a good game and it, it is a battle and they are great games because they've got some really good players coming through Brighton as well so I really enjoy the games there but it very much just looks like the other games. It's the same when we, when yeah. we play Arsenal or we play Tottenham and, and Chelsea. So it's, um, as I said, that I think we're really lucky in London because the games programme is brilliant and what they've done, obviously, the Premier League with the cup competitions as well has been really good. I think those games are, are key for the boys' development. That, you know, there's something riding on it and it gives the boys an opportunity to, to get a feel for that playing for points because um, you know hopefully one day that's that's where they'll be so I think those, those have been really good um, for us it's the Albert feeling obviously you've got the floodlit cup as well um, for the mm. 15 so um, 
yeah, that, that, that's been really good, those cup games, because the boys have missed out on, obviously, tours due to COVID, um, which which I think are brilliant as well, going going abroad and, and playing against, you know, different clubs and, and having a look at how, how they do it on the continent. So, yeah, those cup games have been fantastic as well. What about yourself? What was your own ambitions in the game? You had an unbelievable career already, you worked at some top clubs and... You know what's where, where you know what's 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 next down the road for you? Obviously not immediately, but you know where would you like to go? First team level, like how do we manager? What, what's your you know? Do you have ambitions like that already? I think um, no, I wouldn't say I've got any immediate ambitions to 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 be an academy manager or or even go to first team at the moment. I'm very content with 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 what I'm doing, um, working within sort of the YDP and. I've got some ambitions to, to go to the top of the YDP and potentially um, in and around the youth team. Um, but that's probably as far as it, it's going for now. Obviously, in, in the long future, uh, if any first team positions presented themselves, then possibly. But right now, I just want to become the best sort of youth development coach I can. Still learn as much as I can and, and, and do courses and, and do various different bits and bobs to, to become the best that I can be um, at what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm a believer in that rather than sort of trying to jump really quickly up the ladder, which which you sometimes see. I think it's just crucial to become the best at what you do first. Um, it's a similar thing with the players. Obviously, we have those discussions. You know, I've, I've got talks with players at the moment about, oh, you know, why am I not up with, with, with the 15s and I want to go there and 16s and, you know, I haven't been on an England camp yet and why, why not and what have I got to do? And I just think that just, you know, focus on your training now and your week to week and, and being the best at, on your job because that's your job and, and everything else will, will follow and take care of itself as long as you're, you're doing well so yeah yeah very much uh, from that viewpoint at the minute what, what would your advice be for a young aspiring coach you know coming coming up in the game wants to have a, a career like you bearing in mind you know it's pretty much you know thinking about those opportunities you've had all came through networking or your network of you know people throughout the game what's your you know advice for young because I've always got to ask a question I want to work in academy football you know what's the best way to get into it I think, like first and foremost, it's yeah, go out and experience different types of coaching. Um, I think obviously you can go straight into an academy, and that's fantastic. But <clears throat> the academy is a very unique environment, and it's very it is very different to what it looks like in the parks and, and within the schools. And so the first thing is just experience new new things and go out and coach as many different age groups different genders that you know at different levels that you can because I think that's you know that's what gives you the strings to your bow and gives you different uh, attributes and different ways to communicate um, yeah different experiences really I think that's that's the key thing um, to go out and develop different experiences I also think that sometimes you have to sort of take a step back as well um, Obviously, within your sessions, that's great because you can get a different viewpoint on things. But just generally, just to take a step back and go, okay, where am I at? What am I good at? What do I need to get better at? You know, because there's a bit of a rat race sometimes, and things move really quickly, and you, you, you're caught up in your day to day. So sometimes it's good good to take a step back. Um, I think another thing is is patience as well. You know, it's, it's really good to be ambitious, and it's something that I've had to get. I think I'm quite ambitious, but I think I've had to improve. My understanding of you know it's not easy and it, it it's a long road and sometimes you have to be patient and and understand that you you're going to get setbacks and you're not going to go to exactly where you want to be and within a year or two years and you have to enjoy the journey and 
um, you know, be open to different experiences. And um, yeah, so long, if you're going to coach in football, it's a long journey. I've had, I was having this conversation actually with um, uh, my partner's cousin uh, recently and just sort of saying to him that it's brilliant and it's a fantastic career if you can do it. And if you love football, there's nothing better. And, you know, I don't see it as a job. It's something that, you know, I love doing. It's a hobby, but it is a long journey as well. So don't be too too impatient and just just enjoy the journey. Yeah, that's, that's something that I think about. Joe Antonelli, thanks, mate. It's been top. Appreciate it. No problem, sir. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's dynamic ball mastery program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.